It's showtime, it's your time. It's game time, it's go time. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, nor does it boast. And love is best when it's what? Black. Black. Hello, I'm Tayera. Hi, I'm Angel. I'm Sierra. And I'm Italia. And welcome back to our podcast. So today we'll be discussing black love. And you may be thinking why we're making an episode about black love specifically, but it's deeper than what you think. So let's enlighten you. Yes. So mainstream society loves our style, our music, how we present ourselves. But at the same time, we have these systems that continuously oppress us. They fail to improve our academics and affirm us with asset based thinking and expectations rather than deficit-based ideas and expectations. It's like they like the idea of us, but not the reality of who we are. Mm. So I think a great quote that I believe can open this is by Mark Anthony Neal. He is the chair of the Department of African and African-American Studies at Duke University. And he says that black culture is often treated as a commodity. And if you're not aware of what a commodity is, it is an object, an item, a substance, or a product that can be traded, bought, or sold. He says that our black culture can be bought and sold like a commodity, which allows society to embrace blackness without having to actually embrace black people, a form of hypocrisy black Americans have long contended with. So we have to ask, where is the black love? Ooh, where is the love? <laughs> Literally, where is it? It's like we're loved for what we can produce, but never for who we actually are. Mm-hmm. And then these systems consistently oppress us, but then benefit off of us when it's time. And whenever we really need support as a community, these systems are silent. Mm-hmm. Right. And a great example of this is the Kardashian and Jenner family. The black features and aspects of black culture they put on display literally all the time are praised because they're white women. Mm-hmm. Because we all know that there are very few black women who would ever get praised like that for embracing herself or her culture. Kim Kardashian actually has a brand called Skims, which is a shapewear brand that Italia supports. We all support the white person in some way, okay? Mm. Let me just throw that out there. (laughs) But basically, it's a brand that's focused on helping women accentuate their natural figures, helping them have figures that resemble a black body. I also think that we need to talk about the fact that y'all know Lizzo also has a shapewear brand. Similar to Kim's, that is actually much more inclusive when it comes to different types of bodies. Mm -hmm. Yet she doesn't get nearly as much attention, and the attention that she does get is extremely negative. Mm -hmm. That's crazy considering how much Lizzo got heat for simply being a big girl and a big black girl like that there's so much that comes with that when it comes to society and it's completely absurd that Lizzo uses her brand to empower women rather your bodies are big or small but she doesn't get even half the recognition that skims get but when Kim comes and makes a brand to hide the natural imperfections of your body and to make you resemble the body of a black woman Mm -hmm. she gets praised for it and it became over a billion dollar company we can even bring up the Williams sisters in this, into this conversation. Yeah. Y'all have watched King Richard, right? Yeah. So they actually talk about like the discrimination that the Williams sisters face playing tennis right. and for being just unapologetically black. And they talk about the discrimination they face when it came to their signature hairstyle, which was braids and beads. I remember I seen a picture of Kim Kardashian literally wearing braids. Mm-hmm. And at that, they had beads so it's like 
they're being praised for wearing these hairstyles but when black girls wear them wear our braids wear our locks i love me some locks we get kicked <laughs> out of schools and even denied employment right we literally had to have the crown act pass which stands for um create a respectful and open world for natural hair period to even have our hair deemed acceptable in professional settings were always policied and policed mm-hmm. the william Th- the Williams sisters have even been compared to men. They're clearly women, but they've been compared to men because of their natural physique and accused several times of cheating in tennis because they're literally just black and excellent. Right. Serena Williams actually talks about how she could have died during childbirth mm-hmm. because of the experience pain she was experiencing and how the doctors weren't taking her seriously according to a harvard global health institute even today some doctors still believe that african-americans are less tolerant to pain and physicians are twice as likely to underestimate a black patient's pain that is crazy but you know we also have the power to influence fashion and culture but then we're often penalized for showing that up in that exact same way in school settings and then we're dress coded or then told we're inappropriate yeah most definitely i mean i've personally experienced some issues when it comes to dress code at school Mm -hmm. and being treated unfairly when it comes to me wearing something specific but then other people being let off the hook Mm -hmm. like for example uh, we had i think it was a basketball game and i wore my cheer uniform to school Mm -hmm. and i ended up getting (coughs) dress coded because apparently I wasn't wearing anything under my skirt, which I was. I had two pairs of shorts on. Two. Two. <laughs> Not two. one, two. two. <laughs> and then a couple weeks later, I had a teacher come into school who, of course, she was white. And she was wearing shorts that were way shorter than mine. Mm-hmm. She had on a tank top showing her shoulders and no one really cared. Right. You know, I do think... It's crazy that you've had that experience considering me and Sierra also cheer and we wear that same exact uniform and we've never been dress coded or I don't know any other cheerleaders that have been dress coded because of their uniform. But, you know, that goes to show that it's clear that our natural selves just simply aren't good enough simply because we're black women. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, we have white women trying to imitate us and then they're put on a pedestal. Mm But alongside with that, of how our black influence has been commoditized, I think we can talk about Michael Jordan and the GOAT LeBron James. Debatable. Not debatable. It is. (laughs) Okay, so it is stated that the first Air Jordan sneaker was sold for $65 a pair. Nike sold $70 million worth of shoes in less than two months. Now, over 37 years later, Nike earns $3 million every five hours from the sales of Air Jordan. Five hours. Five. Five. Okay. I just want to say this publicly. Michael Jordan, if you're watching this, <laughs> cut me my check. Because that was my <laughs> idea, okay? That was not your idea. It was def- you, you were not thought of. Michael B. Jordan. Hey. Earlier. That was off the camera. You don't got to <laughs> say nothing about that right now. <laughs> Anyways, let's bring it to present day when LeBron James in 2003 became the new face of Nike. The GOAT. And <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Anyways. And he signed a $90 million contract. Mm. And that same year, that same exact year, guys, Sales hit over three hundred million. That's crazy. Three hundred million, the same year. What would y'all even do with that? You get a car. You get a car. Y'all want houses? We all getting houses. You know, me personally, I'm gonna lay in bed and sleep. Mm, nothing to worry. She about. said money don't change. Right. 
we clearly dominate in fashion, but we also dominate in f- music. In 2015, Spotify actually proclaimed that the most listened to genre in the world was hip hop, and it continues to grow in the U.S. and abroad, even mm-hmm. to this day. Okay, let's go back to the our impacts on fashion and pop culture real quick. So, black consumers and content creators are influencing almost every single aspect of popular culture from the shows we watch to the catchphrases we use to the clothes and the magazines we buy brands content platforms retailers who are serious about growth cannot overlook the enormous commercial power of the black demographic Mm -hmm. and that is a direct quote from andrew mccaskill svp global communications and multicultural marketing at nielsen I mean, it definitely is a problem, you know. I use social media a lot, and I see so many celebrities all over social media who are non-black using black fashion and culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's so amusing when those same consumers are mocking us. Exactly. I just want to say, if we were loved, why do the schools in our neighborhoods have disproportionate resources? If we were loved, there wouldn't be lowered and limited expectations of what we can produce. And if we were loved, there wouldn't be lack of representation of our lived experiences. Mm -hmm. So with that said, let's get into it. I feel like the best way to examine these questions is to start off with our childhood because that's when we first, you know, grasp the concept of love. So I want to ask you guys, what kind of dolls did you have growing up? I'll start. Um, I had a lot of dolls growing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My favorite was Claudine from Monster High. Her. Um, <laughs> she was a wolf, but she was brown. And, like, she had this kind of fierceness to her that I think kind of resembled Beyonce in a way. Um, but other than her, I really only had white dolls. Mm. Yep. See, I definitely played with dolls all the time. And to be honest with you, I actually had a lot of black dolls. But when it came down to it, I was always picking the white dolls to play with. Mm-hmm. See, me, I had Barbies. I absolutely love Barbies, even to this day. And Mattel, the brand that makes Barbies, they've actually come a long way in terms of diversity and inclusion. They have plus-size dolls now and dolls of different sexual orientation. But when I was growing up, it wasn't like that at all. All my dolls were white. What dolls did you have? Honestly, I loved Baby Alive. I don't know why. But then I also remember I used to like braid the hair of my dolls and I thought nothing of it then. But looking back, I realized it's because none of their hair looked like mine. And I wanted them to because I have protective styles. I wanted my dolls to look like me. Mm -hmm. And I ask you that because you answered the same way the girls did in the study. So um, psychologist Kenneth and Mammy Clark conducted a doll test in 1940s to study the effects of segregation on African-American children. Mm -hmm. So with that said, they wanted to see how dolls affect um, the judgment of little girls and how it affects their self-esteem you know I think it's so interesting to see how society has had such an influence on how we've been viewing ourselves um and re- in return not only how the world views what views us but how we view the world in every other aspect exactly I mean the little kids in this study were given the option to choose the white doll or the black doll after asking certain questions like who's the nice doll and who's the prettier doll and obviously most of the time it was the white doll and the Clarks concluded that the feeling of feeling inferior among African American children damaged their self esteem yeah and that's really important because this study basically proved that girls of all different backgrounds deem the black dolls as less than and this is very very important because 
we are those dolls. Mm -hmm. Us black girls are feeling deteriorated when it comes to our worth when society sees us as less than because then we start seeing ourselves as less than too. Mm -hmm. And I say all this to say that we consistently deal with institutions that fail to love and affirm us. Speaking of institutions, an institution we constantly have to face oppression from, and we've spent most of our lives up to now, is schools. Like Ty was saying earlier, with her experience, black girls are always disproportionately harmed by school dress codes, whether we're sent home for a violation and forced to miss a class, or shamed for the wearing our natural hairstyles, or subject to the trauma and discomfort of feeling uncomfortable in what we wear on a daily basis. Yeah. Okay, guys. I remember in like middle school, right? We had we all had the same uniforms: mm-hmm. khaki pants, a nice little burgundy college shirt, and a <laughs> navy shirt. And one time, I came to school with khaki shorts on, which keep in mind I bought from the school. Right. They took my money and everything, and then want to tell me I look inappropriate in those shorts. That's crazy. And I just feel like that's crazy like you said because I bought the shorts from the school everybody Mm -hmm. had those same shorts but I specifically looked inappropriate in them Mm -hmm. and that just shows that like with Tyre your experience and with mine 50% of our co-hosts have been policed for uniform yeah and both of those are black girls yeah imagine if there was more of us on here yeah I would probably still be 50% or higher Mm -hmm. even higher that ratio would probably definitely be higher higher but um I'm also bothered by the deficit-based thinking um, and low expectations that a lot of educators have for us black students. If those teaching us don't think that we can achieve, that puts so much pressure pressure on us. In fact, an article from The Atlantic related a study where white college students were surveyed about their perceptions of their non-white peers. Um, Their perceptions of Hispanic and black urban students were that they, quote, do not work hard enough to improve their life circumstances. That's crazy. This belief isn't just limited to students. It also impacts teachers as well. But then at the same time, what can we really expect? I mean, federal data shows that about 15% of the nation's school-age children enrolled in public schools are black. Mm -hmm. But the percentage of black teachers is only 7%, which is nearly half of that. That's less than half. Within the majority of U.S. public schools... About 79% of teachers are white. Wow. Those are 80 amazing (laughs) points. Literally amazing points. And that just goes to show why we need this platform. Mm -hmm. We need to express our concerns and use our voice to advocate because us black students, the black teachers, and really just overall the black community, we don't get the love that we deserve. And a lot of communities you can think of get serviced before us. And black people rarely get the love at all. So honestly, I can confidently ask what even is black love? I don't know. To me, I feel like black love is a healthy romantic, platonic, or even parental relationships between black people. You know, being intentional about the way you speak to each other, regularly communicating, and all these things. I mentioned both parental and platonic love because those are essential for like any human being. But as a black person with black teachers, black parents, and black friends who really supports you it makes all the difference in how you view yourself yeah yeah it really does make a huge difference um and many of our students may not feel accepted in their classrooms because of struggles with their racial identity 
let me tell you guys. So I just learned about something called racial imposter syndrome. And according to Talkspace, it is people who struggle with their racial identity and feel that they'll never be accepted for who they are. So in return, they'll change certain aspects of their identity in order to change. Yeah. Yeah. That really impacts us as black students. Studies have shown that in communities like ours, it's very common. The majority of the teachers are from a different ethnicity with limited training and knowledge on how to serve students like us. Teachers' lack of understanding on how to accurately serve students' needs can lead to the feeling feeling disconnected, like you said, and can influence their feelings of belonging at the school and how well they think or how well they will try to achieve. That's a very interesting point, but I want to ask you guys, have you ever thought that you have like possible peers sitting in the classrooms with you who feel alone when it comes to race, or have you ever felt this way yourself? So I actually didn't know there was a term for it, but I definitely feel like I was aware of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I myself has felt as though I don't fit in with my peers, as I've been told like, by a lot of people that I act more white than black Mm -hmm. because I speak proper (laughs) or because I have a white person voice, Mm -hmm. which for me really reinforces the fact that uh, the stereotype that people think black people are ghetto, mm-hmm. which is a conversation for another day. Another day, <laughs> sure. But I definitely feel as though I unintentionally hide or change things about my identity when I'm around certain people in an effort to fit in more. Mm-hmm. I agree with Ty. I didn't know that it was like a real term, but I've definitely felt that way. I actually wrote most of my college essays about this because obviously I'm African. I'm from Ghana. But being African in America, a lot of times people will make me discern between being African or African-American when literally at the end of the day, I'm just black. Right. And this matters because like I felt as if I didn't have a community to fit in because it wasn't like I had people at home to show me that aspect of my African identity because I left so young. But I also wasn't accepted as an African-American. So I would literally like force characteristics on myself thinking that's how I was supposed to act Mm. because, you know, there's always a stereotypical black person for so long that I didn't even know like what it meant to be my true authentic self. Mm -hmm. Well, research has emerged indicating that belongingness has different meaning for urban African-American students whose racial group is associated with negative racial stereotypes. Settings alone have the power to signal the degree of threat or safety an individual will experience um, throughout their education. Members of marginalized groups often question their value in mainstream settings, especially in settings in which they have historically experienced discrimination. Consequently, high school in particular may present unique challenges for African-American students and African students. Honestly, I've really only came across this a few times. And when I was also in middle school, I had a friend and he was biracial and he honestly got bullied all the time because he looked black um, but acted white or he looked white and acted black. And that really affected his perspective on black people because they were mainly the ones making those comments. And to this day, I'm glad to see that he's grown to like accept his identity right. and to um, show them in whichever ways he wants. But I also have a biracial nephew who I feel like is going through the racial imposter syndrome right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't help to think that that's because of how society makes people really confused about their identity yeah Mm -hmm. so 
with that examples of only being with men in my life, mm-hmm. I always wondered if it was harder for biracial women when mm-hmm. it comes to society. Well, for me personally, my mother, she's biracial. She's, she's black and white. And my mother does not support interracial <laughs> dating or like interracial reproducing Mm -hmm. um she's always told me and i've heard this from other biracial too that she's always been too black for the white people and too white for the black people so she never really felt accepted Mm -hmm. um into a certain community her journey took a lot of self-searching and self-love and even to this day sometimes she struggles with her identity but as basically a mixed person myself i wanted to ask you guys how do you love somebody that isn't black and is it really black love Hmm. You know, so I know your mom. I've known her for a little bit, and I kind of <laughs> agree with her to an extent. Mm. To be real, it isn't my favorite thing when I see the successful black men married to white women, mm-hmm. but I love when I see a black woman married to a white man. Yes. So let me explain. <laughs> um, whenever I hear about a black woman married to a white man and I ask them about their experiences, they say that it's based on true love, like right. things like he treats me right, he takes care of me, etc. However, when I hear black men talk about their experiences and why they decide not to be with black women, but instead decide to um, entertain white women, it's because they say she's not loud or she's not ghetto or she doesn't have an attitude like a black girl. From my personal experience, I feel like their answers just genuinely attack black women. Mm -hmm. And they're really deemed as more successful in their eyes when they're married to a white woman. Mm. And I blame that on white man validation. Mm -hmm. I don't know, for me personally, I've never even thought about dating outside my race. The thing that makes black love, specifically two black partners, engage in romantic relations is the fact that it's healing. Love in itself in so many different ways is healing. But when you really look at the way society has treated black men and women for forever now, how black men sometimes treat black women. I know we all watch the Medea movies, okay? (laughs) Not too much. (laughs) This is like when two black people can love each other it's literally like a form of resistance in its yeah. own way because we're going over we're like suppressing everything that you know society says about us uh-huh. everything we face as a people and i'm not even talking romantic it can even be platonic or like parental relations mm-hmm. it really makes a difference in how you view yourself as a black man or a black woman yes. which is why having teachers like us who understand our experiences and come from our backgrounds is so important See, for me, I've always disliked the phrase, I don't see race, because your race is a part of your identity Mm -hmm. and who you are, but at the same time, I feel like that's exactly how I feel. I mean, I've never been someone to straight up just not like someone because of their race. Um, So for me, it's really easy to like someone who's a different race for me. I do believe that it could be considered black love, though. I mean, the title of the episode is Black Love, the Lack of It in and Towards the Black Community, Mm -hmm. meaning that black love itself shouldn't only be happening within the black community, but towards it. Right. But speaking of love in the community, I think we should also speak about the treatment towards the LGBTQ plus community in the black community. Yes. And why we need to why we need to be supported in schools. Yes. I mean, right now, all over the U.S., there are bills being passed targeting 
the LGBTQ plus community in an effort to limit their rights and ex- uh, rights to express themselves and be who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so a report titled The Erasure and Resilience, the experiences of LGBTQ plus students of color had some interesting stats about black LGBTQ plus students. Okay. They stated that 51.6% of black LGBTQ plus students, which is over half, felt unsafe at school because of their sexual orientation. They stated that 30.4% of black LGBTQ plus students reported missing at least one day of school in the last month because they felt unsafe or uncomfortable. You know what? That's honestly... uh, scary number to think about Mm -hmm. um another statistic that i found was that 40 percent of black lgbtqia plus students experienced harassment or assault at school due to both their sexual orientation and their race slash ethnicity compared to those who experienced one form of victimization or neither black lgbtqia plus students who experienced both forms of victimization experienced the lowest levels of school belonging and had the greatest levels of depression and were most likely to skip school because they felt unsafe. Now, growing up, I think we've all noticed just how homophobic the black community can be. Mm-hmm. Many who are black and queer are blatantly bullied by people who look just like them. Why do you guys think homophobia is so normalized within our black community? Now, for me, it's definitely rooted all the way back to slavery and white supremacy. Mm-hmm. According to Vocal Africa, Buck breaking was a form of sexual abuse which became very popular in the Caribbean during enslavement. So basically, buck breaking is when African male slaves were sexually dominated by white slave owners. Buck breaking was done to cripple the ego and to strengthen the male slaves and strength of male slaves. Mm. Most slaves after being raped would literally commit suicide as they couldn't live with the shame. And historical archives have it that buck breaking wasn't only a master to African male slave type thing, but rather it was two African slaves who would be forced to rape each other. That That's is deep. honestly, it is. Yeah. It really is. And instead of breaking these horrific generational curses that can obviously be traced all the way back to slavery, mm-hmm. um, we continue to pass these toxic cycles and these toxic mindsets down to our children. It's just an endless, tragic cycle. But I also think that we have to take in consideration um, that we should take accountability for the homophobia within our community. Like, we could blame it on the history for mm-hmm. sure. But... We could also know that it doesn't have to stay like that for our future. Mm -hmm. Basically, it doesn't mean that when you're shown as a child that homophobia is bad or homophobia is good or homosexual relationships are bad or good, that's a form of toxic masculinity. And if you don't know what that means, it's defined as the form of masculinity where men use dominance, violence, and control to assert their power and superiority. If that's the case, you're almost destined to literally grow up with a mindset that is opposed to the LGBTQIA plus community. We've said a lot. Yeah. (laughs) A lot. And our next guest is going to come up and help us put everything into perspective. Mm -hmm. So joining us, we have the lovely, lovely Miss Tia Davis. Um, She's a program director of A Promising Future. Miss Tia currently teaches social life skills and teens to teens and young adults, a healthy relationship course. And she also created a community that supports wellness and a leadership program to advance the opportunities for young people. She is a mother of three children. 
a sister, a friend, a village auntie, a mentor, and is committed <laughs> to serving the community and collaborating whenever possible. Yes. yes. All Thank those things. <laughs> <laughs> and more. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you all for the invitation. Of, of course. <laughs> so you've been able to sit and listen to our topics about black love for us black girls, toxic masculinity, the inequities within pop culture, went over interracial relationships, black on black love, and even black on black hate. Now tell us what you think. Okay, so first off, I am so proud. (laughs) It took me, I'm a grown woman, I'm 42 years old, and to not be in a space that I was comfortable in at the age that y'all are at, having these hard conversations and bringing relevant topics to the surface. <laughs> this big auntie proud. <laughs> big auntie proud. Um, yeah, y'all have been talking about a lot. Yeah. There's yeah. Uh, there's some layers to this black love mm-hmm. thing. Absolutely. Um, the dolls. So I was a tomboy. I was <laughs> I played with garbage pail kids <laughs> and I played in the mud. So I didn't have the traditional experiences with playing with dolls that some of y'all had expressed, but Mm -hmm. Garbage Pail Kids was my thing. Mm -hmm. And I got a Cabbage Patch doll, Mm -hmm. and I love that little doll. That thing was my baby. Yeah. That was the only time I like was girly. (laughs) Um, But I do remember I was eight years old and I had reconnected with my dad. Mm -hmm. And I think it was right around Christmas and we didn't celebrate Christmas growing up, but he did. Mm -hmm. And he picked me up. And he took me shopping. He took me to Toys R Us back when it was still in existence. Oh, it's so it. sad. Oh, I heard it's coming I back. Good. What? Because yeah. they had a little sign of the giraffe with his suitcase. It was like, I guess the kid's grown up. And that is so sad. <laughs> oh that is just gosh. heartbreaking. Listen, that's <laughs> heartbreaking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's the one doll that I picked out. And I'm super surprised that that was the thing that I went for. It was a little black Barbie. <gasps> and I don't even like Barbie like that. Oh, <laughs> I'm offended by I'm that. I'm sorry. I'm so, I, look, I love her now because they got a little ball Barbie. And, right, yes, right. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's the thing. It's the thing. Um, but I went for a little black Barbie, and I didn't play with this doll. Hmm. I wanted to see the doll. I wanted to have the doll. I mm-hmm. wanted the doll to be around me. But that was the first time I think in a doll that I saw someone that looked like me in right. the mirror, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and it was to be treasured. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize my life journey was not necessarily going to take that same format. But like, I remember that doll and I was like, yeah. I was, I was so happy that y'all asked that question because it made me think about that experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm Aww. like, oh, that's a warm and fuzzy. <laughs> um, hmm. That Kim makes Kardashian. me think. Yeah. Low key. So like, my mom, she's weird. And she <laughs> has a lot of like dolls. Like she had a Dallas cowboy cheerleader doll and she was black and like she had the holiday collection dolls like she would buy these dolls for me now that I think about it but they would sit on like on top of her TV like on top of a stand I could not play with them Mm -hmm. I could not open them it's like they were idolized and like I never really realized that yeah and I never realized that I should be looking up to those dolls and seeing like how much um significance they have but I just seen them as dolls I couldn't play with and I was mad (laughs) so yeah I I appreciate her for doing that Mm -hmm. representation yeah something for you to aspire to be like and to grow into yeah that's beautiful uh Kim K (laughs) (laughs) talk about it There's very few words. There's very few words. I'm like from the beginning. I'm I'm not a Kardashian fan mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's the black man mm-hmm. and the run through mm-hmm. 
of these different black men mm-hmm. in each of their stories, except Courtney, you know, she's <laughs> also problematic. Um, but that for me, I think was the bigger, the bigger thing. It was just disappointing yeah. and how they, it really looks like they abused those men yes. and they kind of just were props. Yeah, you will. exactly. That's kind of what it felt like. That's mm-hmm. what it looked like. Um, so I don't, but you know what's disappointing about that? Those men don't even realize yes. that they're being used. They, yes. They'll go for a white woman that's literally using them, but you mm-hmm. have a whole community of black sisters, aunties, and mothers who are supporting to you. love you mm-hmm. for who you are. Yeah. Open arms. I think right. that's the thing, though. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I question. So that's one of those pieces when I see black men with white women, I question. Have you brought this person home to your mother? Mm-hmm. Have you brought this person home to your sister? What does your family think? Did you consult them first? <laughs> do you even love them <laughs> and value true. their opinion? Right. Because what do they think and what do they say? And I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm, I have always been, most of the time, I have been love is love. Mm-hmm. But I gotta be honest. When I see it, it stirs mm-hmm. something up in me that's like, because mm. mm-hmm. there's yeah. nothing like black love. Not there's sure. really nothing. Like I have black a friend love. who told me his mom always says to him, "If she can't use your comb, do not bring Ooh, her home." Okay, <laughs> and that just had me books. so hilarious. Like it had me oh dying. <laughs> I that is that. so funny. Oh my gosh. Um, so I have two daughters, two older daughters. I have a. Oh, she's gonna be seventeen next week. Oh. Um, Happy early birthday. Happy early. baby. Um, I'm a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old. And from a very young age, I'm like, I knew, like, who I want you to bring home. He's Mm got to wear his pants on his waist. Mm -hmm. He needs to wear a belt. He's got to be able to comb your hair with his, with your comb his hair with your comb mm-hmm. or use your brush. Your brush needs to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. A certain way. <laughs> a certain brush. Yeah. And he needs to be able to speak to your mother. Yes. Like yeah. I don't want to hear slang. I, yes. I, I need you to speak to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Like a whole grown up person mm-hmm. or with some manners and some respect. So right. don't show up at my house. I'm like I got some old school in me too. <laughs> um. But it's it's funny that you say that because I'm like I didn't know. And super transparent. My kids are biracial. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in an interracial relationship. I'm ending an interracial relationship, an interracial mm-hmm. marriage. Um, How's we've that? Been together for 15 years. Ooh, oh, girl, oh give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but my children are biracial, mm-hmm. and that was the thing. That was the one thing that came out. He needs to be able to use your brush and your comb. Mm. So I'm like, I had already predetermined that my children are going to be dating black men. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yes, please and thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, this interracial relationship piece, you know, I dated black men mm-hmm. for a little while. And those relationships were great, but I had two back-to-back negative experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, one, he decided to be physically aggressive, mm-hmm. and that was not what I wanted for my story. Yeah. So. I'm out. Right. Um, and the second one, I had mad love for him. But his behavior and his maturity was not to the level that I deserved or, or needed mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. Um, and I knew at some point I was going to have children. And I'm like, I can't see myself having children with this man. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, yeah. Mm. Again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and after that last experience, I caught the eye of a white guy. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I'm like, oh, you you see me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm over here in all my glory. And he's like, yes, you are. <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> um, and I felt adored. Mm-hmm. And I felt yeah. 
propped up. Mm-hmm. I mean, not like I need to be lifted on a pedestal, but I felt propped up. Right. I felt seen. I felt beautiful. I felt accepted. Um, I didn't have anybody try to change me. He felt he was intrigued by me mm-hmm. and my little attitude and my little personality <laughs> and all the little things that come along with me. Like it seemed like those were accepted and mm-hmm. yeah. okay. Right. And yeah. I didn't feel that with my last two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so from that relationship that one ended and then there was another and then two more after that (laughs) (laughs) um and that ended in this last marriage and really it was kind of one of those things like you don't know you're in it until you're really in it Mm -hmm. and I didn't know one I walked through my experiences as a black woman not as a black woman Mm. I didn't grow into my own identity until adulthood really a few years ago I'm just experiencing myself now as a black woman coming up in the world Um, and one of the things that really kind of bothered me is I saw how black men that my mom chose Mm -hmm. I saw them mistreat her so I never really aspired to be with a black man um, because what y'all was doing here that's not what I again not what I wanted for my story that's real Um, representation matters it really does and honestly who we see And what's modeled for us matters. And I think that's one of those things about what I teach now with the relationship stuff. Mm -hmm. Teach you how to pick healthy people. Teach Mm -hmm. you how to be a healthy person in the first place. And then so you attract another healthy individual. Mm -hmm. So if we spend a little bit more time doing that and identifying healthy characteristics in each other and and with ourselves, then we can start to choose differently. But me going through my experience of my own identity search and own identity just discovery, that allowed me to actually have a lot of empathy for black men Mm -hmm. because now I can see them, actually fully see them as a black woman and see the things that they've experienced. So listen, this little 15-year relationship is ending (laughs) and it's going to be black love. Like (laughs) black love. We love to see (laughs) it. We love it. So what did you think about um, homophobia in the black community? Did you have any thoughts when we talked about that? Do you want to bring up anything? Oh, I mean, very real. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the bigger thing for me is kids not feeling safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Black people in whatever circumstance not feeling safe. Yeah. You know, one, yeah, the way that we harm each other is incredibly damaging to our own psyche. It's damaging to your sense of self. It's just damaging in general. Mm-hmm. But then you add that extra layer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, how do we be kind? Right. And just in general, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what your sexual orientation or your mm-hmm. lifestyle choices are. How do we just be kind to each other? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to love outside of the labels and outside mm-hmm. of all of the rest of these things? We already have enough hate going on in, right. in exactly. the rest of society. Can we just love each other? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I try not to get hung up on other people's experiences. I want to know about your experiences as a way for me to get to know you and right. just love you well. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's kind of where I shift my focus. And now looking at the safety part, like what can we do to create safe spaces in schools? What can mm-hmm. we do to create safe spaces for all of our kids in every experience? Yeah. Um, and what can we do to teach ourselves how to love ourselves mm-hmm. and discover ourselves? Yeah. yeah, I love that. I think that is so important because, you know, when you do feel loved, you feel a sense of safety and security. Mm-hmm. And honestly, all the black community has wanted for forever now is just to be loved and appreciated. Right. Yes. Right. But the truth is, we are the minority of minorities. Yet, we are the biggest influence in every single aspect of 
popular culture, the literal definition of a commodity. We're only love for what we can produce. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the way we've been degraded over and over again for who we are, but uplifted in other aspects, it's left us feeling confused in a way. No, literally, because are we hated or are we loved? Which one is it? Exactly, which one? (laughs) And especially because school is where most of our socialization happens, and us black students are most times in educational institutions that aren't serving us and deteriorate our self-worth immensely. We as students ask for the teachers, admin, staff, and all, everyone really who works in DPS to really think about the ways you intentionally show up for black students, if you show for black students at all, how you speak to us and how you treat us. Yes, for sure. And before we go, Miss Tia, could you please leave our audience and us, of course, with some tips and advice on how teachers could better show up and how the district could better love and support black love towards their students? Oh, yes. Uh, first off, recruit black teachers. Yes. Ooh, that part. Yes. <laughs> be intentional. Mm-hmm. Be intentional about your pursuit of black teachers. Be intentional about going into neighborhoods where we already are mm-hmm. and we already have relationship developed. We already mm-hmm. know our folks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much talent, so much education, so much worth and so much value bringing in people who already exist in community into the schools. Be intentional about recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. Be intentional about programming that you bring into the schools. Um, one of the beautiful spaces of this is three of these young ladies I get to be in a program with specifically mm-hmm. for black girls. Yes, That being supported in DPS in all of the schools for black girls. Yes. And, you know, black boys need stuff too. Right. Um, but, you know, girl energy. Mm. Yes. Female power. <laughs> but being intentional about the programming that you bring in to offer sacred spaces for these conversations, not just related to academics, yeah. not just related to violence, not just related to things that are pressing issues. These are all pressing issues because we don't have safe spaces to talk. Right. Um, just care. Make an effort, right? Yes. Like make an effort to be curious, genuinely curious, exactly. not curious to be nosy, yep. and not curious to rub it in mm-hmm. or leverage it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, if you're going to hire white teachers, white teachers should have to spend time. Since we know that their training doesn't necessarily happen, that's a culturally relevant training. Mm-hmm. They need to spend time in the school district to learn yes. the community mm-hmm. yes. that they're going to be serving. Yeah. So you have an honest understanding of who the demographics are right. and how to serve people well. Right. Those are... I hope y'all are taking notes. Taking <laughs> notes. notes. For sure. Be intentional. Because yes. Tayera literally just provided some evidence saying that only 7% of the teachers are black. Was was that what it was? I think, I think it might have been 15. 15? No, it was 7. Yeah, you 7%. Seven. Yeah. yeah. Don't inflate them. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us today and providing your insight. We had so much joy and received so much knowledge from having this conversation. Um, and thank you all for watching. We really enjoyed this conversation and we all hope that you did too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, don't forget to check us out at Denver Public Schools Podcast on Spotify and Denver Public Schools Plus on YouTube. Yes. On that note, we'll see you guys next time. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.